Welcome. This is Victoria Schneps, publisher and president of Schneps Media, a group of 70 media outlets in New York City, Long Island, and Westchester. And today I am delighted to have Deborah Niederhofer. And Deborah has the wonderful role of being vice president and chief development officer for the Brooklyn Hospital Foundation. Welcome, and how are you, Deb? I'm great, Vicki. It's so wonderful to speak to you today. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, my pleasure. That's a, The hospital is such an important part of the community, and now with Fort Greene rising and such exciting new demographics moving into the community, you've got you know a lot of uh, reason to be very proud of the work you do and making that hospital greater each day. Um, I wanted to ask you as a personal level, how growing up did you find your way to be who you are today? Was there somebody in your life that really gave you a role model that made you be so successful today? Vicki, I'm 100% New Yorker. My parents were born deep in the heart of Flatbush. And after marrying, they fled Brooklyn for Upper Manhattan, Washington Heights. Mm. They were not born with a silver spoon in their mouths. They came, their parents were immigrants who had fled Europe due to the political climate. So my family, I saw them strive and struggle a bit to figure out how to put a a career together. I was very entrepreneurial as a child. I would create um, my own a babysitting business. I advertised. I um, did a lot of entrepreneurial things for that era. But I think it's because my parents really left me to figure it out on my own. They were working hard, and I watched them work hard. So I tried to model myself after that. Well, you know, I do think that people say it's not what you say, it's what you see. And here is a great example of that, where you saw how hardworking your parents were. Somehow, I think it's born to us, or it's in our DNA, but it's something you can also learn by watching, right? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, in terms of your journey, uh, in terms of the business world, how did you grow to where you are, and what exactly does this, I know it's a fundraiser, but I love that title, Chief Development Officer, (laughs) (laughs) and mostly I love Vice President, (laughs) but how, how did you come to be there? I stumbled a bit. I was awfully shy as a kid. I always wanted to act. Finally, in my senior year of high school, I had enough courage to get up on the stage, and I said, aha, this is electrifying. Mm. I went to Tulane undergrad. I went, I I had developed a wanderlust by that. I was saying that's pretty far from home. It was as far as my parents were going to allow me to go. Well, I get that because I told my kids, you know, they can't go past the Midwest. There's a Rocky Mountains and they cannot go east of, west of that. That's it. Choose something from there because it's not easy to let go of your children. How, do you have any siblings? I have an older brother and he didn't have the wanderlust that I had. Interesting. Um, 
when I was growing up, I saw my cousin, who was older than me, do junior year abroad in, in college. So then and there, I said to myself, when it's my turn, I am going. I studied in London for my junior year, and I traveled extensively. I went to Russia in 1978, way before the Iron Curtain was up, and I was a little bit of a daring do at that time. Did you go yourself uh, or did you have a pal that you went with? Because that is I pretty think, courageous, I think. It was it was quite the James Bond experience. And when you and I have a drink together, I'll tell you more about my time behind uh, the Iron Curtain. Uh, but it was really through theater that I began to find myself. And you asked me about other mentors. I think the first person outside of my family who took any interest in me was a college professor in the theater department. And when he told me that he thought I had some talent, I felt as if I had been born. Wow. You know, one person's one sentence, and that can really change your life. Indeed. And from there... Did you get your degree in theater or you did you get, uh, I mean, because this is, with all due respect, fundraising is a business and that takes a lot of know-how to be able to achieve success in that world. Well, here comes the stumbling. I did get my undergraduate degree in theater. I started an MFA program in theater, in acting. What does that stand for? Masters of Fine Arts. Okay. And it was after my first year of my MFA program, I said, you know, this is phenomenal. I love it. But is it practical? Do I love <laughs> it enough to weather the uncertainty of the theater life? And You were I, smart even then. <laughs> it was. And I, I decided I really, I, I needed to examine it. So I left that MFA program, which took a lot of courage because I had never quit anything before. And I started, um, I took a job as a receptionist in an advertising agency. Mm. At night, I began to volunteer for a theater company, an off, off, off Broadway Okay, company. but that's the way you do it. And they uh, mentored me into the role of company manager. Interesting. Which meant that it was the business side now of theater. And from that platform, I had to do a little fundraising. And the dots began to connect. And I said, oh, I can do this job for something that I love. And I decided to pursue fundraising because that was way before fundraising had um, degree programs in the universities. You know, it wasn't really a proven path. So I stumbled into it. And that is X number of years ago, and it's just really been a, an extremely fulfilling and diverse career path. I think, you know, it seems to me your success has been not being afraid. Your fear didn't seem to have a place in your life. You were willing to try new challenges. Do you think that has had an effect in terms of your life growing into this world of fundraising? Absolutely. Absolutely. You you need to have a little bit of a Teflon exterior mm -hmm. to be a fundraiser. Not being afraid to hear the word <laughs> no. <laughs> correct. Correct. Um, to call people again and again and again until you are absolutely told the door is closed. Um, well, and I, I have to interrupt you one second because I, my favorite expression to my sales team is no is never 
forever. <laughs> That's a good one. And persistence pays. It's so true, yeah. But so, you know, I can't believe you got doors really slammed in your face. You probably, you know, at the time, they weren't ready to do what you needed them to do. That's how I like to look at it. I think that's right. And that that is fundraising uh, 101. People need will fit in a cause um, depending on their motivations, their time of life. And you can be willing and creative and present so that they can find you when the time is right. Well, I noticed that you did uh, wonderful business opportunities with uh, Benjamin Cardoza School of Law, uh, where you worked uh, also with Beth Israel and with New York Methodist. So, you know, the experience of working in other uh, settings probably helped you today now with the Brooklyn Hospital Foundation. And tell us about some of the exciting things that you're doing over there now. The Brooklyn Hospital is approaching its 175th anniversary in the year 2020. And how many organizations can approach such a seminal date? When we were researching the anniversary, we began a couple of years ago, digging through our archives, we realized how the founding of Brooklyn was intertwined with the founding of the Brooklyn Hospital, the borough, and the hospital really grew up and matured together. Do any of those buildings still exist? Yes, there are some. Okay. Uh, And so to celebrate it, we created a multifaceted um, celebration, which consists of events, uh, a newsletter, and awards. We decided to begin awarding 175 medals. And that's a lot of medals. <laughs> <laughs> to individuals and icons who have made Brooklyn the incredible borough it is. And, and Vicki, we're so delighted that you have accepted one of our medals, and we're going to be presenting that to you very soon. Well, you know, I must tell you, my, you know, I'm born and bred in Brooklyn. And so, you know, my parents would be very proud. I'm sure they're watching me up in heaven. So I, I like to think <laughs> that they'll know this wonderful recognition. But the hospital is such an important part of the community. I know from this special fundraiser, you're doing something else with the uh, after the 175, pardon me, honorees and uh, rental winners. Simultaneous. This is really a very big month for us. We also have our signature fundraising event, which is called the Founders Ball. And we are delighted to have extraordinary honorees. We have been raising and netting well over a million dollars for the past six years. And if anybody would like additional information on the Founders Ball, you can go to Founders Ball. Dot org and get all the information there. So it's foundersball.org? Right. So that's a, an easy way to remember it. And I think, um, you know, has there been a designation for the money that will be raised this year? Because I know so much is happening at the hospital. Give us a fast overview of what, what's been going on over this last year. We have broken ground on the expansion of our emergency department, which is one of our our most critical initiatives. Our uh, emergency department was last created to house 45,000 individuals a year, and now we are exceeding over 75,000. Oh, my. An emergency department is the front door of a hospital, and to improve with 
triage and customer service, you have to have a footprint that can accommodate a larger number of patients. So thanks to a wonderful grant from the state, we have embarked upon an expansion and a modernization. We have some wonderful naming opportunities available for people who would like to be affiliated with a cause that everybody in this borough um, should be glad is here. Well, you know, I think the Brooklyn Hospital is in a great position today. And LIU, I don't know if you're aware, just sold their air rights, and they're going to be building buildings. Uh, Scott Reckler from RxR is going to be developing, and you're going to have even more people as patients. So I think the future of Brooklyn Hospital is very bright. And I, I want to close out with sharing a little bit of your insight to give advice to other women on the path to success and what you would recommend they do to be, and this is my words, as successful as you are. What ideas would you share with other women? I used to teach a class in fundraising at NYU, and what I would tell my students is don't wait for the perfect moment to begin. Dig in right away, and the learning of what you are doing is going to get you to the next step. My daughter has just started college. She's a freshman. Mm, and luck. I think about the shoes she is in, about starting out. And I would give her the same advice. Start someplace. Just start. And mm -hmm. that first step is going to get you to many more great steps. Well, I think, you know, showing up is how I put it. And yes. people don't realize how critical something as basic as that is. Because when you're there you see what opportunities there are for you, right? And that's what you, exactly. you, you're really saying to people to get started. So I think that that's a most wonderful um, idea for us to uh, close with. And I thank you, Deborah Niederhofer, who is the Vice President and Chief Development Officer for the Brooklyn Hospital Foundation. And this is Victoria Schnepps, publisher and president of Schnepps Media. We serve New York City. Long Island and Westchester with 70 media outlets, events, and broadcasting. Signing off, join me the next time for another Power Woman. Stay tuned. Bye now. Yeah.